Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We've been talking about being in God's will. We're, we've used this title uh, for the series, In the Zone, because when you're living in the zone, your life takes on a different characteristic, different quality. You, you literally walk different, you talk different, you have a, a level of confidence and, and just self-esteem that you may have not experienced it before, because deep down on the inside, our spirit, if, you're, if you are born again, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have received him, that means his spirit lives inside you and the Holy Spirit inside us, he, he gives us an assurance when we're walking in the perfect will that God has for us. Now we've been talking about the general will of God, which anybody can find. You can just open up your Bible, start in the book of Genesis, go all the way through to the end, and you will see God reveals his will as it pertains to his desires for mankind. You can find any of those, any of those areas of his general will. And we've been studying this. What is his will? His will ultimately is that everyone be saved and not anyone go to hell. We know that's his general will for mankind. And we, f- we just follow through that theme through all the different topics of life. And you can find those in the word of God. What has he said about marriage? What has he said about finances? What has he said about uh, our conduct in life and everyday life and how we're supposed to love one another and forgive one another? We can go find that. However... When it comes to the specific will, the particular purpose that he has for your life, then we need to do something a little bit different, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But I want you to consider some thoughts here, and I'm going to kind of give us a little bit of a testimony. I I wish it was a good testimony. Unfortunately, it's kind of a sobering story. But I want you to start out with these, these thoughts. Think about what a pity it would be to live your full life here out on earth, never stepping into the will of God never fulfilling the very plan and the purpose for which he designed for your life. Think about what a tragedy life would be. If we live on this earth, we're here, we're sucking up all the resources that God's placed on this earth, the things that he's provided for you personally, yet living an entire life through without affecting anyone or anything. Joyce Meyer tells the story of her brother. You may have heard it on TV, she shared it. They were both raised in the same home, both from the same mother and father, both exposed to the same, very similar abusive patterns, but their lives took drastically different paths. Joyce went on to recover from a childhood of being sexually abused by her own father, and today, right now, is impacting millions all around the world 24 hours a day. Her brother, unfortunately, raised in the same household, exposed to the same dysfunction, ended up dead in an abandoned building at the age of 57. After having been rescued over and over by his sister Joyce and her husband Dave, they had given him a job at the ministry, they set him up in an apartment, they bought him a new car. But after a few years, he walked away from all of it. When the LA police sent sent Joyce her brother's personal effects after they had found his badly decomposed body, she realized that all that was left of his life fit in just one small manila envelope. It contained his glasses, a dirty watch, some business cards, and his ID badge from when he worked at the ministry many, many years before. What was the difference between their lives? One pressed in beyond the scars, beyond the tragedy of life, and found the will of God. 
and stuck with it. The other lived as a victim of life, clueless of God's plan, and unfortunately ended up in a tragic circumstance. I've been saying, I've been making this statement since the very first weekend we started this series. We're in weekend five now. The level of peace, the level of contentment and stability that we experience in life will always be determined by how close you are walking to God's will. The closer we are walking to the will of God for our life, his purpose, his plan, the more stability you're going to sense, the more contentment you're going to walk in, the more fulfillment you are going to see in your life. The further away we are from God's will, unfortunately, the less fulfillment, the less contentment, and the less stability. We were created to walk in God's plan for our life. We were not created to walk in our own plan. We were not created to just try to carve out our own existence on this earth. That was never God's plan. We're gonna find out more about that. So today, We are going to wrap up this series by talking about how to find God's specific will for our own personal lives. And as Christians, we should all want to make decisions according to God's will. But what happens when you just don't know which way to go? What happens when you can't get a a grasp and you're not getting a hold of that plan? It seems like it's escaping you. We're going to find out a few things here today. So I want us to consider this, no matter how young you are, Sooner or later in life, everybody's going to have to make some decisions. What college should I go to? Who should I marry? Should I move to this city, that city? Should I stay where I am? Sooner or later, we're going to have to make decisions in life. And at times, depending on where you're at, depending on how busy your life is, depending on how cluttered your mind is, it may be difficult to hear that clear voice from God. But I want us to remember a promise here. I hope this encourages you as it encourages me. Psalm 139, verse 15, God speaking to us says, excuse me, David speaking to God says, makes this this acknowledgement, my frame, my innermost being was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. In other words, when I was conceived, you knew every intricate detail of my life. David is saying back to God. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, before you were conceived, before you were even a thought, God already knew your life. God already had a plan. God already had provision. God already had places for you to step into. He knows you. He knows us. Amen? You and I, were not, we're not accidents. We're not here by mistake. We didn't just pop on the scene. We haven't been placed on this planet by chance where you were born, when you were born, the parents God gave you, your personality, everything else about you was orchestrated by God for a specific purpose. And that purpose is always to affect someone else's life. You were not born into this earth to be self-serving. You were not born into this earth to have selfish, self-centered agendas. But unfortunately, sometimes some of us are raised in households. Well, that's what we know. That's what's been demonstrated before us. And so some people say, you don't understand. This is just my personality. This is who I am. No, no, no. That's, that's the personality you developed, but that is not the personality that God ordained for you. And so as you and I get into the word of God and allow the word of God to start changing the way we see life and changing our perspective, we are expected to take a shift in direction. 
and just start realizing that everything that's been given to us, everything that's been placed inside of us, the very giftings that we have, the very talents that exist in us, they're not there for us to feel good about ourselves. They're not there for us to profit from them. They are there so that we affect change in someone else's life. Amen? Amen. Now, we got to acknowledge this, that God's will doesn't always come to pass in an individual's life. To some degree, every one of us in this room and every person that's going to be watching this, every single one of us, at some degree or another, have shifted away from that plan. And on the positive side, every one of us, at some point in life, is shifting towards God's plan. It's a matter of shifting, a matter of, of navigating, a matter of kind of just trudging through some of the things of life and then experiencing times of acceleration when it seems like you're jumping forward in the plan of God. And every one of us has experienced those things. And most of the times, whichever end of the spectrum we are experiencing at that time is determined by how much we desire and how much we choose to follow God's plan. You have to choose to find God's will. We have a part to play in discovering his will and to start seeking God for it. And I pray that none of, in this, none of us in this room think it's ever too late and none of us in this room think it's just too early. I don't need to do that yet. No, 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 no. We need to be seeking him. The level of which you walk in God's will is gonna be determined by how desperate you want to find it. Jeremiah 29, 12 says this, then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. I'll, I'll bend down and listen to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. With how much of your heart? All. With all. Notice that emphasis on seeking with all your heart. Now I'm going to make a statement here and I want you to, I want you to think about this. I want, you to, I want you to let this sink in a little bit here. As long as you can live without God's will, you will. As long as you're comfortable, as long as you're complacent, as long as you're just, just so used to just floating through life, you'll just continue to do that. My prayer is that through this series that something has gotten shaken in you, something has woken up in you, that there's a divine dissatisfaction. If you're at a place right now where you know on the inside, I'm just not there yet. I'm just not there yet. I'm just not there yet. I know there's more. I know there's more. There's, I know there's, there's, there's a deeper place. I know there's, there's gotta be more than I'm supposed to be experiencing, and there's gotta be more than I'm supposed to be doing, and there's gotta be more than I'm supposed to be influencing. I pray that there's a divine dissatisfaction that comes upon us that would shake us out of our complacency. It's the most dangerous thing for a Christian is complacency, to become comfortable where you're at. Oh, I'm just hanging out, you know, everything's good between me and God. No, 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 everything's not good between you and God. He loves you. That's never going to change. But you have stuffed other things in that place where God's supposed to be. You have, you have compensated that, that desire that you once had. You have compensated it. You have pacified it. You have neutralized it. You shoved, maybe you shoved a, a, another career in there. Maybe you shoved a relationship in there. Maybe you have placed material things in there. And so they've pacified that, and you're not, you're not sensing that dis divine dissatisfaction anymore, but it doesn't mean that you've gotten to that place yet. I pray in the name of Jesus that God shakes us all up 
to that place where we become dissatisfied again, or that place where we're, doing, we're willing to do whatever it takes to lay down, lay aside the things of this world, and to go after God's will. That's my prayer. The emphasis is always on with all your heart. God never calls us to do anything half-hearted. He never calls us to do anything lukewarm. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says this, ask and it will be given to you, but you gotta ask. Seek and you will find, but you gotta seek. Knock and it'll be open, but you gotta knock. For everyone who asks does what? Receives. And he who seeks does what? Finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. You don't just sit there. Well, God knows where I am. And he'll leave you where you are. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you. But what do you got to do? Call. And I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You don't know everything. I don't know what it is with us Christians. We think we just got it all wrapped up already. You don't know everything. New Living Translation says it this way, ask me and I will tell you, look at this, remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. God is always pointing us to the future. Never points you to your past. He never brings it up. He's always pointing to the future. He's, and he gave it, Jesus introduced us to the third person of the Trinity. And he said, he will show you things to come. You are not, we're talking about how do I find God's will for my life. You're not going to find God's will for your life if you do not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been specifically assigned to the church. And Jesus told us his assignment. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth, and he will do what? He will show you things to come. How are you going to see things to come if you're not hooked up with the one whose very assignment on this earth is to show you things to come? If you don't spend time with the Holy Spirit, if you don't open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, if you don't acknowledge him in your everyday life, guess what? He'll let you float on. Why? Because he's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anyone. If you're going to find God's will for your life, if you're going to ever live in the zone, it's going to be because you established a very alive, very um, deep, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You learned to hear his voice. You learn to distinguish that voice from all the other voices that try to bombard our minds in this life. Number one thing that you're gonna have to do, always put God first in your search for his will. Don't think you're gonna be able to just go out there yourself and find it. Well, I'll just do a personality test. They serve some good, they serve some purpose. But what are you gonna do then when you're identified? Are you gonna just gonna try to strike out on your own and just go try to see what you can dig up yourself? You're gonna fall. You're gonna find yourself shipwrecked someplace. You've got to bring it to the Lord. Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Powerful, powerful verse of scripture. Trust in the Lord, here we go again, with what? All your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to always figure everything out what makes sense. Usually God never leads you in the area that makes sense. It doesn't make any sense for me to be up here. For some people get so bogged down because they try to judge and try to predict the outcome based on natural talents. If I walked my entire life on my natural talents, I'd be cooking raviolis and lasagna right now. 
it made absolutely no sense for me to even picture this happening. It's not a natural talent of mine. And so people try to figure things out by, well, you know, they're an outward person, so they must be this, or you know, they have a natural knack for this, so they must be that. No, no, usually God will take you and put you in something that nobody could have ever pictured, this is the thing you're gonna do. So if you lean on your own understanding, you're gonna fall. You're gonna sell yourself short. You're gonna find yourself doing something that's gonna become a drudgery and it's only gonna become a ritual thing. You're just doing it to do it to do it just to get a paycheck. And you're gonna miss out on that sense of fulfillment, that sense of, you're gonna miss out on that adventure of God taking you and putting you and equipping you and empowering you to do something that you never, you can, it just blows your mind to think that you could ever accomplish that thing. So he says, don't lean on your own understanding. Then here it is, verse six. In how many of your ways? In all your ways do what? Acknowledge him. Father, I don't know what you have for me, but my eyes are on you. Jesus, you're the author and the finisher of my faith. I don't know what I'm, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what you want for me. But Father, I acknowledge you. I want your will. Let your will be done here on earth in my life as it is in heaven. Whatever you've got written in that book in heaven, I want to walk it out. Come on, guys. And what's the end result? Verse 6 says this. Acknowledge him in all, in all, in all your ways. And what happens? His, he's going to do what? He's going to direct your path. You're going to find yourself. You're going to find yourself on a path that you never thought would get, that you'd go. You're going to find yourself walking out on those stepping stones. And then one day you're going to turn around and go, how did I get here? He directs your path. He orders your steps. So the Bible tells us the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. You make it your business to chase after him. You make it your business to pursue him. You make it your business to acknowledge him. And he will fulfill this promise. He will direct your path. Amen? And then verse 7, he repeats it again because he knows we didn't get it in verse (laughs) 5. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. What does he say? It's an evil thing when you try to strike out on your own path. Now listen, sometimes the leading from God is very clear. There's no question. I want to take you to, to a verse of scripture, portion of scripture in the book of Acts that, that, that exemplifies this, so illustrates this so clearly, and it's going to clear up some things. How many of you know, and maybe it's happened to you, how many of you known people that have just gotten off uh, on their life, just gotten off because somebody spoke something into their lives, somebody said something that they thought they were supposed to do, and somebody said, oh, you know, God told me you're supposed to do this, and then their life is shipwrecked. Does anybody know? So I know plenty of people like that. Look at this verse of scripture, Acts chapter 13, verse one. Follow me here. Now in the church at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and it goes on to name a bunch of them, but amongst them is Barnabas and Saul. Next verse. Now, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now let's stop there to make sure we we understand what's happening here. They got together, a bunch of people got together, they sent some type of a leading from God that they needed to come together and spend some time ministering to the Lord. What's ministering to the Lord? Ministering to the Lord is what we just did before I started teaching today. Worshiping God. Spending time in his presence. Praying. Amen? So they got together, they had been fasting. Why? They must have sensed something. They must have sensed some type of a leading from the Lord. They needed to hear. Okay, we don't fast to get God's attention. We fast to decrease our clutteredness in our minds. 
Amen? So watch this now. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now watch this now. Doesn't mean the Holy Spirit showed up like a dove and this little dove started talking. That's not what this is saying. The Holy Spirit obviously put a message in the heart of one of these men who were in that group and they began to speak and it was recognized. This is God speaking to us. And look what the Lord spoke to them. Now watch this now. Look at the wording very closely. Now the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, watch this now, for the work, read it with me, to which I have called them. Oh, wow. The Holy Spirit said, I've already called these men. Now it's time to separate them. This was not a message that came to Barnabas and Saul out of left field. They obviously already knew. I could picture the whole scenario here. When this word from whoever spoke it, from the Holy Spirit came forth, I guarantee you, Barnabas and Saul looked at each other and went, we knew this already. Sometimes, in fact, most of the times, when God is leading you, and God is wanting to, to reveal to you his will for your life, he will speak it to you in your heart. Then, what will happen is, you will get a series of confirmations. But it never comes out of left field. Now, there's a big difference now. We're talking about these are prophets. This is a person who, who spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And the, the gift of the prophet, the office of the prophet, is very different in the New Testament than it is in the Old Testament, but most Christians don't realize that, and most Christians are operating under the Old Testament. So let's say somebody comes back. I can give you a good illustration, a good example. Many years ago, we were in, first started the church, maybe the second year the church was in existence. We had a gentleman come out, I'd been pressed, I had been pressured by people, you need to have this guy come and speak, you need to have this guy come and speak. So we said, okay, we'll have him come and speak. This gentleman got up, he began to teach a little bit, I really couldn't tell you what he taught, I don't remember. But then at some point during the service, he started calling, we, at that time we had maybe 100, 150 people, and, and most of them were there that night. And this man went over to almost every individual in the church except my family, not one member of my family, and, and not one member of our leadership. Yet, and he didn't know who they were. Yet he went to every other person and said, you're going to God, this is what the Lord says, you're going to Africa, you're going to the Ukraine, you're going to Russia, you're going to uh, South Africa. Everybody was going someplace. I said to myself, if this guy's accurate, we lost the church tonight. <laughs> you know not one person left? You wanna know why? I, I asked a few of them. I said, did God ever, no, I have no desire to go to any place like that. Did God ever speak anything like that to you before? No, not one person. Thank God they were mature enough. If it was a bunch of immature Christians, you know what happened? People would have been selling their houses, going places, going here, going there, because of what someone spoke. Now in the Old Testament, when people did not have the Holy Spirit inside them, they had to rely on a prophet to tell them what to do. Are you seeing the difference? But in the New Testament, guess what, folks? You got the Holy Ghost inside you. He can speak to you. He doesn't need to bring a stranger to give you a, a message out of left field. So my advice to you is this. When somebody, even a friend, comes and says, you know what, I, I feel like God's telling me you're supposed to do this. If that doesn't already, if that hasn't already been in your heart, take it, put it on the shelf, and forget about it. I've seen too many people's lives get shipwrecked. Because of receiving these words, receiving a message, receiving direction that the Holy Spirit did not already speak to their hearts. You want to go back to that scripture? 
Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called. I guarantee you they knew about it already. So this is what I'm saying. Now this particular leading here was very clear to Barnabas and Saul. They didn't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Why? They already knew inside what God was telling them. Are you seeing this? Are you catching this? Good. Because this will keep you out of making those kind of mistakes. Then there's other times, and we're talking about things not to do, because sometimes it's, it's more effective to learn what not to do than what to do, okay? We know what to do as far as finding God's will. Get in his face. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll what? Direct your path. But sometimes we get off and get super spiritual about things. Super spiritual, not realizing that the Holy Spirit is very practical. He knows how to speak to you. He knows the language that you're going to understand. He knows how to get a message across to you that's going to mean something to you. might not mean anything to anybody else, but it's going to mean something to you. But avoid this lunacy of becoming super spiritual. And usually it's something like this. Well, you know, Pastor, I've been praying, you know, and I've been asking God, God, if it's your will to do this, for me to do this, then, then have six angels appear over my bed. Well, you know, you know uh, Pastor, I, I was considering, you know, uh, we're looking for a house in a certain neighborhood, and, and my favorite number is seven. So, so guess what? Guess what? Uh, uh, the realtor brought us to a house. It's 777. This has to be it. Why? <laughs> now, if you have, and you're in prayer, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost shows you a mailbox, and on that mailbox is 777, and you, without knowing, pull up in front of that house, and the realtor brings it, and you, but you see, you already had that picture in your heart. Are you following me? In the Old Testament, we needed little games like that to play. But in the New Testament, you have the Holy Ghost inside you. Jesus said he will lead you and guide you into all truth. If we follow the Holy Spirit, we're not going to make mistakes. But stop getting so spooky. Pastor. I was driving to church, and the car in front of me's license plate said. You're freaking everybody out around you. Stop that. God is not spooky. No, 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 we don't understand how practical the Holy Spirit is. We don't, even when we read the scriptures, we, we, we study the word of God, and we don't even realize how practical for instance, let me give you one of the best examples that just stood out to me as I was doing research in the book of Revelation and, and all of a sudden I, I was like, why did God choose these churches? You know, in chapter two, chapter three, it talks about a series of seven different churches and I'm thinking to myself, why did God just pick these churches? There were churches in, in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem, there were churches in Syria, there were churches, but now it says here that these churches are the one, and then I went and did some research and you want to know why God chose all those churches? Because they, well, they were the most spiritual out of the whole bunch. No, they were all on the same highway. So God, Jesus knew. This is the quickest way to get this information. We'll start in this, and they'll, they'll spread the letter to this one, and to that one, and that. And you hear Paul all the time saying, now make sure these letters are, written, are read in the other churches. Practical. Jesus in his ministry. We don't understand how practical God is. We always say God's got to come with a, with a fireball. has got to come across the sky. 
Jesus gets in a boat and says to Peter, launch out a little bit. Why? Because he didn't want to be close to the people? No. It's very practical. He knows that his voice is going to travel across the water and he's going to be able to reach all these multitudes and they'll be able to hear him. Very practical. You're going to miss God if you don't, if you don't start to realize how practical he is. That when he leads you to do something, he's also going to give you the practical provision that you need for that. Don't miss out on that. Now, the other area, too, you have to consider. And I don't know why we override this sometimes. The importance of peace in your heart. So many people you talk to after their disaster breaks out, and then you say, well, but, but, but just calm yourself and just, just think back now. When you made that decision, was there any uneasiness on the inside? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, my, uh, my insides were freaking out. However, well, there's where you missed it. And so many times we allow that uneasiness to go, we override it. Pastor, I have this opportunity to get a job in such and such a state, and it's going to triple my salary, and I'm going to be able to buy a bigger house, and, and, and I'll be able to get another car for the, be able to go on vacations. Okay. But did you ask God if that's what you Did you ask God, Lord, am I supposed to go to this state? Regardless of the salary. Regardless of what size house you're going to have. Well, yeah, but I'm figuring that, you know, because the salary is going to triple and quadruple and I'm going to have a bigger house, it must be God. Oh, oh, you don't think the devil can put you in a position to have a triple salary and a bigger house with a bigger mortgage and a bigger insurance payment? and more responsibility, and a job where you're never going to see your family? Oh, oh. You mean that, that circumstance, that situation? And then I'll always ask a question. Well, did you go there and find a church yet? Oh, well, no, there's lots of churches there, I'm sure. No, no, but did you find your church? Did you find the pastor that God now is assigning you to? Did you find a group of individuals that believes the way you believe and that you're going to be able to use your gifts there? Well, there's plenty of churches. No, I I know there's plenty of churches. There's plenty of bars, too. You understand what I'm saying? And so inevitably, you'll know on the inside, but we override it because we're looking for the signs. And we mess up, and we step out, and then we blame God. God, how could you do this? I didn't do this to you. I've been trying to tell you from day one. Don't override that alarm on the inside. When you get ready to make a, a move and get ready to make a decision in a certain direction and your insides are going, eh, 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 eh. There's a reason for that. Don't override that. <clears throat> By the same token, we have the right according to these promises here. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Watch this in the Amplified Version. Let is a powerful word. Because you have to let something happen. You can choose for it not to happen. You can choose to override it. But watch this now. Let the peace of Christ, now watch this now, and it's going to define what peace of Christ is, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him. Be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. Don't make a move if you don't have this peace. But watch this now. In order for you to receive that peace, in order for you to sense that peace, you're going to have to do something. It says here, that peace, that inner calm, belongs to the one who does what? Walks daily with him. 
If you're coming up to a decision you've got to make, you better start walking daily with him. You better start drawing close to him. You better start getting so close that when he breathes, you feel it. 1995, spring of 1995, in 1994, God had started dealing with me already. It's time to get out of the business, time to go to Oklahoma, time to go to Bible school. You're going to go in ministry. We decided we're going to take a trip out there. We're going to go see the school. We're going to go check things out. I said to mom, she said to me, what do you think? What do you think we're supposed to go? And I, this, was my, this was what came out of my mouth. I said to her, when I set foot on that property, I'll know. I'll know. But we had also been praying. And the two of us prayed and said to God, Father, if you do not give us, if you do not give our children peace, we're not going anywhere. Now, let me explain that concept to you. Here is a mistake that we make as humans. Oh, God. When you're young, you want to know all the plans. I want to go, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to marry? What, what am I supposed to do? What kind of job am I supposed to get? What's my career? What am I going to do? What kind of car am I going to buy? What kind of... And so we're asking, 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 asking. But here's the situation. When you're young, you don't need a lot of details from God. You've got a wide space to walk in. Why? You're single. You have no responsibilities. And so God allows you time to start developing your lifestyle with him. He allows you time to start learning how to hear his voice. He allows you time to make some mistakes and bump into some walls. So you don't need to have that much detail. Just keep following God. Be that person who walks daily with him. But now watch this now. Now you find a spouse and you get married. Now you got some responsibility, right? See, when you're single and you make a mistake, you only affect you. But now when you're married, you've got another individual that you're responsible for. So, so now, now I'm saying all this to say this. Now you have the right to go to God and say, God, I need a little bit more detail here. I need a little bit more specifics. Why? And it's not that I don't trust you, Father, but I don't want to affect my spouse the wrong way. If I choose the wrong path, it could affect them. So now you have the right, and now the road gets a little bit more narrow. Now throw a couple of kids in there. Now you've got some real responsibilities. Now you really have to hear from God. Why? Because if you mess up, you not only affect your spouse, you affect your children, and you may put your children on the wrong path for generations. So now you have the right to ask for those details. Are you listening? We do it backwards. We, in the beginning of our life, we want to know everything. Then when we make a couple of mistakes, we get disgusted and we go, ah, what the heck? My life has been hopeless anyway. I'm just going to just walk and just walk and whatever happens, happens. But there's a big problem there. You see, when you're young, you have years ahead of you to repair the mistakes that you made. When you're older, you may not have that much time left to repair those mistakes. Are you listening to me? So make sure that when you start getting and you're stepping into the areas of life where you have responsibility, you start standing on this scripture and say, Father, without any disrespect, Lord, to how I prayed, if my children do not have peace, I'm not making this move. When the time came to go visit Tulsa, Oklahoma, we took all four of our children. Joe, our oldest now, well, he's always been our oldest, but... You were about, what, 14? 14. And I was, I was trusting God to use him as a gauge. 
So we went out there, spent the week out there, the whole bit on the way back. We're in a van driving home, driving through Missouri. And I turned to him and I said to him, well, Joe, what do you think? He goes, we're supposed to come here. I went, yes. <laughs> you can't make a move that's going to affect your children without taking your children into consideration and bringing them before God and say, if you truly want me to step out and do this, you must give my children peace. Peace. Are you listening to me? I gotta stop. I pray that something that I've shared today especially, or something that I've shared throughout this series is stuck in your heart and maybe gave you the incentive to tweak some things. But most of all, I pray that any any one of us that's either here today or watching this, that that someone who has gotten settled and gotten complacent and just willing to just let life roll over them and never again go look for the will of God, I pray in the name of Jesus. This ain't gonna sound right, but this is what I'm praying, that you have no rest until you go find out what God has for you. That you, I pray that the Holy Spirit brings a divine dissatisfaction in your life that shakes you up and causes you to put everything else aside to go after what God brought you to this planet for. The very purpose that he gave you life. I pray that you walk that out in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.